listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters, and today we're going to be talking about maintaining a gospel focus in your ministry. We have so many things to think about as we minister to kids and families in our churches that we can so easily get distracted from what it is that we are really meant to do, what it is that we're really called to do. And we can be busy in mistake activity for productivity. And it's really important that we figure out where our focus needs to be. So today we have a special guest, my friend Brian Dembozik. Hey, Brian. Hey, Chuck. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to be here with you. Good. Well, it's always good Talk to have and you shot. back. It is. Brian and I have a great time whenever we cross paths in the hallway or get to spend a few times together. He is an, a fun person and a wise man. I almost said a wise guy, which well. is also true. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a wise guy. He's a man of much wisdom. That's like one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite work memories is you and me driving to Chattanooga. Oh, in a, a rented we, truck. We had an exhibit for an event in Chattanooga, and we instead of shipping our our booth, we drove a box truck together. And so you and I had what two hours or whatever just Each to drive way. down yeah. there, just <laughs> talking and talking shop, talking life. That was a good time. It was a good time, and I'm glad you said that because I recently. I recently asked about an event that's coming up, if it would be cheaper for us to drive a truck than it would be. And I thought, I wonder if Brian can go, go with, with you. me. I'll go so with we, you. So we may get to drive to San Diego from Nashville. <laughs> nice road so <laughs> trip. <laughs> Orlando uh, maybe. might Let's be busy there. that day. <laughs> so Bri- Brian, in addition to being an awesome person all around, and a handsome guy, by the way. Well, He's I got a great haircut, know. which I think is wonderful. Yes. Brian is the managing editor of the Gospel Project, all age levels, and functions as the project team leader for the Gospel Project for Kids, which includes preschool. That's correct. So Brian lives in the Gospel Project world, and he's a gospel-minded guy and has some great insights that, that are, we thought it would be really worth our time uh, to spend a few minutes talking about how we keep our focus in kids' ministry really where it's supposed to be. Yeah. So Brian, tell us, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about this. What? What about all the distractions we have? Why is it so hard to keep our eye on the gospel? Yeah, I think there there are a couple of big reasons. One is just the nature of ministry. Um, anybody who's in ministry for any length of time understands the pressures that often accompany that, and and it drives us away from gospel centrality a lot of times. Because how, how do we how do we focus a lot of times in <clears throat> in ministry? It's usually in attendance numbers. Are our attendance numbers good? And that's that's a barometer we use for the successfulness of ministry. Now, attendance matters, of course, but that's not the only thing. And if that's our primary goal to, to make sure attendance is up, then we're going to do some things probably uh, that may not be necessarily gospel-centered, but it's things that gather a crowd or whatever, yeah. make, make our families happy, make our kids happy. And so it's easy to kind of get caught up in, in that. Conversely, one of the other ways we measure ministry success, in air quotes, is for people not complaining. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if everybody's happy, you know, a lead pastor often will say, hey, kids, pastor, just, just make sure the people are happy, make sure the numbers are there. If you're doing that, you're, you're good. Yeah. And so f- the same thinking, well, I don't want people to be upset, so I'm going to do some things to, m- to make them happy. I'll give them the activities they want and so forth. And, and we don't intend to do this, but it's so easy for that, that rhythm of ministry to take our focus off the gospel and put it on those, those measures. Again, that matter, but that's not the primary. Right. Our primary goal is to get the gospel into the hearts of our kids in partnership with our parents. That's what matters most. 
And sometimes that means doing some hard things. Sometimes that means saying no to doing some things that, that families might want. Right. Because it may be good, but it's not best, or it may not even be good. It may be contrary to our efforts to get the gospel embedded. So because of the nature of ministry, it, it makes it difficult. The other side of that is, from a personal perspective as a leader, um, our sin gets in the way often. If ministry is going well, our pride gets bloated, and pride is anathema to the gospel. The gospel is about humility. It's about thinking less of ourselves and more of Christ. And so if we're in a successful ministry, it's easy to start letting that attention, you know, stroke our egos. And next thing you know, we're operating from a pride position, a pride posture, not a humble one. Or conversely, again, if ministry is not going well, we, we tend to beat ourselves up and think, man, I'm, I'm just the worst kids pastor there is. Yeah. Um, I'm terrible. What am I doing? And pretty soon we're operating from a defensive posture instead of a gospel posture. So for those reasons, I think it's just kind of, it's a very common danger. Yeah. I think it's so important, circling back on something that you referred to, I think it's so important that we in ministry keep our eye on our why. Yes. We need to, we need to remind ourselves constantly of why we're doing what we're doing. And as you have said, you know, sometimes, and it's not sometimes, but really all the time, why we are doing what we're doing is more important than what we're doing. Yeah, I, I would argue, um, and I've said this before in different contexts, and, and I think it needs to be defended because it 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 can be a, a statement um, that you don't want to just drink in. You really want to think about it. But, you know, what we do matters greatly. Yes. Saying that why matters more is not saying what we do doesn't matter at all. What we do matters greatly, but why is even more so. And, and I would defend that from Scripture. You, you see time and time again where, where what does God say? He says, I, I look at the heart. Yes. You know, choosing David to be the next king to replace Saul. It, it was an exterior. God said, no, no, I look at the heart. Um, Sermon on the Mount is all about this. Jesus says, hey, you've heard it say do not murder. I say don't hate. Murder is an act of the hands. It's a what you do. Yes. Hate is a posture of the heart. He's like, no, I, I care about the why. We see it with the Pharisees. They look great on the outside. They were doing the what's, it seemed, but their hearts were not in the wrong place. So time and time again in Scripture, we see that God focuses on the heart, the why. Mm. So we can have a, a kid's ministry that on a what perspective appears very gospel-centered, is doing great things, is growing. You're seeing kids come to faith in Christ. From all those— Attendance those, is up. Attendance is up. People are not complaining. But here's where it gets hard for us as a key leader. What is our heart behind it? What is our motivation? Yes. And if we're serving in any way, shape, or form apart from a gospel-centered mindset of, of I want to pursue God's glory, I want the gospel to be known, I, I'm going to say this boldly, but I'm going to say it, we're, we're in sin at that point. Mm. And, and that's the danger. We can, you know, it's an anesthetic. Ministry success can be an anesthetic mm. to hide our lack of gospel well, focus. Well, because we can trade great for, for good, yeah. right? We, we do a lot of good things, but we yep. miss those great things that exactly. really God has in store. And we can miss some of that if we're not careful. And I would argue God, God isn't, well, I wouldn't argue the scripture says God is a jealous God. Mm. And so I would argue then that that ministry probably won't stay in that position. Everything's going well. And if your leadership is not gospel focused, yes, it, it probably won't last. Well, the why is one of those things as I interact with kids ministries, ministry leaders uh, in all of our comings and goings is one of those things that very few people can articulate clearly. Mm -hmm. We all know the when of our ministry. Yeah. We know the where. We know the who most of the time, unless yeah. they don't show up, right? And we have to fill in. But we know the, the where, when, who, how. We know the what yep. we're going to teach. But the why is one of those things that so few people can 
in a, a sentence or two articulate what is distinct about our ministry in our context. What is it yeah. that we are doing here and why? And when you can articulate that why, it helps you recruit. Yeah, you lead with now, vision. Yes, you can lead with vision and clarity. It helps. It, I describe it as a target and a filter. It helps you see, know clearly what you're going for, and it helps you filter out things that could be distractions. Exactly. And I think people, that, that's what they, they want. They hunger for that. They hunger for, especially the younger generation, they want to be part of a cause. Uh, they don't want to just do things. They don't want to fill a calendar. Um, they want to fill a void. And so, so causes draw them. So if we lead from a posture of the what, who, all those other things, yes. we're missing it. They want the why. You start with the why, then you undergird it with all yes. those things. And I would go a step farther and say, everything we do in ministry ought to be connected to that why clearly. Yes. We should be able to defend. If, if any church member or any leader or anybody comes up to us and says, hey, why are you doing X, Y, Z? We should be able to clearly and easily to point back to you. connect that to our overarching why. Yes. And if, and if not, why are we doing it? Okay. And so furthermore, it's not enough to just have a why. We have to have the right why. Exactly. Right? Because there's a lot of whys out there that are inferior whys yes. to the one big why. That's the whole reason the church exists in the first place. And again, a lot of those inferior whys seem good. For example, if, if a church had, had the, the, their why, they may not be as, as crass to say it this way, but their why was big numbers, attendance. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good thing. Again, we, we want to draw people to be in community, gospel community with one another. But there's a more important why undergirding that. Yes. And so that, that's the thing is we really have to be careful to push beyond and not end up with the typical whys that many churches end up with, many ministries end up with, and, and they get close, but they stop too short. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple of whys uh, just from a, a ministry point of view, that, and I've got this scribbled on my wall in my office. I have a lot of things scribbled on my wall right now. And that is, what is the job the church intends to do? What is that why? Uh, why are we in this? And so one of those whys, that is a good why, a good why, valid why, is to disciple kids to spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a valid why. There's another why, though, that the church can do that you've mentioned, and that is attract young families. Right. When, and that can be it, it sounds like that may be an invalid. Why? And they just grow, get a lot of kids here. But if what's under that, as I've kind of, kind of thought through this, if what's under that is the, the concept that really discipleship is the role of mom and dad. And yeah. we need to get young families here so that we can, as a church, invest in mom and dad and have them disciple their kids. That may not be an invalid. Why? However, there is this middle ground where we need to really do both. Right. We yeah. need to we need to be appealing. We need to be loving in relationship to draw in people who don't know the Lord. And we need to disciple kids to maturity. We can't trade one for the other. But underneath it all is Jesus. Yeah. Underneath it all is the gospel. And so that's what, what we want to get to here is right is that the really all those other whys are empty or shallow if you take the Jesus out of the picture. Exactly. You know, I would say the, the the why that we should all end up with. Now, we can verbalize this a little bit different. We can nuance it out differently. But the, the overarching why, if you will, is the glory of God. Yes. That everything we do, when we talk about drawing families, it's not be so our church can grow. Yes. It's not so we can have more resources. Hey, we can do more, more events now because we have more kids or families. No, the overarching reason for that is to bring God glory. God is, is arguably most glorified when a sinner repents and comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. And so we want to bring God glory by being part of that. Why do we disciple our kids? Well, it's important. It's, it's for their own good. It's for the future of the church. We've heard all these things. But no, the overarching principle is we want to grow kids 
who are passionate about who God is, what Christ has done, and love him deeply and richly so that he may be glorified, that, that much is made of him. So everything we should be able to get back to yeah. God's glory in this. Yeah. Well, what are some practical ways? Let's put some handles on this for our listeners, for that okay. person who's out there saying, okay, yes, I agree. I want to do this. How do I do that? <laughs> yeah, one of the first ones, and I like leading with this one because uh, it's one that may jar the listener, but I think in a good way. One of the best things we can do is rest. If we want to stay gospel-centered— Well, that's easy. I, no, it's not. <laughs> it sounds like it should be, but it really it isn't. It is not. Is it? And you and I, Chuck, we know this from what we do here at, at Lifeway. We run ourselves ragged. Exactly. Now, we do here, that in ministry. Two problems with that. One, if we're not resting, we're going to burn ourselves out, yes. and we will not be as effective. But there's a bigger reason. I, I believe God designed us to need rest. I mean, why did he—you think about it. He wasn't very economical by requiring us to sleep about a third of our lives. <laughs> Why, why did he design us? And he designed us this way. This is true. It's before the fall we see this rhythm of resting one day a week. Why? I believe we see the answer in the collection of manna, hmm. that, that the children of Israel were not allowed to collect manna on the Sabbath, forcing them to rest and trust in his provision, his goodness, not their own efforts. Man, how many of us are serving in ministry thinking it's up to us? Yes either from an arrogance posture of, man, my church should be glad they have me, right? because without me, who knows where this ministry would be, or from a humble, a perhaps too humble of a posture of, I, I can't do this. Right. I've got to try harder and, and so forth. No, no. It's God working in and through us. So resting not only is good for us, it keeps us in a healthy balance. It also models this for our people. Our people... Our kids, our parents, our leaders, teachers don't need to see. They don't need to put their hope in us. Mm. They need to put their hope in Christ. And so resting is a, is a key way, I, I believe, in, in this. Um, another is to serve from our identity, not for our identity. Good. Good so, distinction. Yeah, yeah we, we know that, that 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that in Christ, all of our sin has been taken and forgiven, and in its place, God has given us Christ's righteousness. That's our identity. Our identity is forgiven children of God based on what God has done, not what we can do or have done. That is our true identity. So we serve from that. We serve from the posture of being an image bearer, being forgiven fully, and being completely righteous, completely loved and accepted by the Father no matter what. And by the way, the way that we live, the way that we walk, the way that we work and minister, whatever we have is contagious to those that we Exactly. And so if we are not walking this way, we are communicating a false gospel to the kids and families that exactly. we are trying to minister to. It's the same thing with rest. That's why what we've heard it say before that people, you know, a lot more is caught than taught. Yes. It, it's this, this truth in here that our, our people need to see our identity resting firmly uh, without wavering because it doesn't waver. Our identity is fixed in the gospel. It's yes. fixed by God. It's, it's declarative. It's what he's declared to be true no matter what. We need to live that out. We need to express that in how we're leading our ministries. Yes. That's gospel-centered. Uh, another one, just a, a third one, is, is to remember this, what I call a triad of the gospel, um, that you have orthodoxy, which is right belief, right understanding. But orthodoxy, when we understand the gospel correctly, ought, ought to lead to what's called orthopathy. Orthopathy is the right emotions, the right of feelings, the right affections. 
that the gospel should stir our hearts and our emotions, our affections for, for God and for Christ should grow and be evident. Mm-hmm. And that then leads to the third part of the triad, which is orthopraxis, right behavior, right conduct. So right beliefs, right feelings, and right conduct. Mm-hmm. All three of those are essential in that order. And what happens is a lot of times we focus on orthopraxis, the right conduct, and we fail to remember the orthodoxy and grow in our understanding of the gospel, which fuels our love for Christ and the gospel, Mm. which then leads to behavior. We as leaders need to be modeling this, and this is what I would argue we need to be teaching our kids as well. Yes, and too many times we flip the sequence or we leave a piece out, right? Because in our culture, the value the culture says what I feel makes it real. Yeah, my tr- I can have my truth and you have your truth, and and, and truth is r- relative, right? Yeah, and if it, you it, if you lop off orthodoxy, right beliefs based on scripture, yeah, it's subjective. Yeah, and so you know that old phrase I've heard someone recently say, you know that that remind me of that old. Uh, little uh, poetic phrase that says, you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Yes, my mom had that on our refrigerator growing up. But really, isn't that, isn't even that out of sequence? It's really God said it, that settles it, therefore I believe it. Exactly. And, you know, growing up, I'm 46, growing up, orthopathy, right, emotions Mm. was the one that was neglected. The the modern mindset was that, that axiom. If God said it, that settles it. Nowhere in there do we have the affections. Nowhere How do we do you have feel about yeah. That? Nowhere yeah. the, the proper response. And it's not again, as you're saying, not not the modern mindset of how I feel determines truth. Yes. God's design is His truth should should change us deeply within, and propel us to love Him, passionately pursuing His glory. That's what was missing from my generation. That passion. Uh, we we were obeying yes. out of obligation. Yes. And it didn't get us into Keep the, the rules, best places. Don't break the church. The rules. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And it leads to a legalistic exactly. mindset, and it leads to something where, where, you know, one of the things you mentioned is that you, you use the word humility. Some of us are too humble. We feel like we're not qualified or we're not able to lead. And I think there's a lot of insecurity yeah. because there's a lack of confidence in our identity in Christ. Exactly. So I think you can see those three. If we're looking to practice those three or, or live out those three, yeah. we're in a good place. And also, if that's what we're really holding up before our kids, and if we take any one of those away, we're out of balance as leaders, mm-hmm. and we're not going to be gospel-centered. So bring us back to the why. Okay. Let's come back to that why. And just in plain, simple terms, Brian, what does a gospel-centered why look like? How, can we, how might we articulate that? What is, what's that lens and how do we keep that lens in front of our face? Yeah, I think, again, it, it goes back to, to Christ. It goes back to our gospel-centered why is making much of Christ because of what he has done. And, and understanding with, with true humility, as he modeled Philippians 2, that all we are is because of him. All we can do is because of him. And to him, we owe our eternal gratitude, our eternal affections, love, and so forth. And so we want to have a ministry that is built on that. It's built on that model of what Christ has done. And we're, we are striving to understand, to love, and to live all we do in light of what Christ has done and who he is. Mm. That's at the center of it. Now, again, how you articulate that in your, in your language and so forth, I think you have some flexibility there, of course. But ultimately, if Christ is not at the center— of our why, we're not going to be gospel-centered. Thank you, Brian. Man, thank you for your great insights. I love the your three O's. Those are great. I will circle back to those again and again, and I'm going to write those on my wall somewhere. There you go. Great Fi- find room. I don't know if there's Good any room. 
Listener, take this as a challenge. Please take some time to rest, as Brian suggests. And as you rest, take some time to reflect on what is it, not what is it that you're doing, but why is it you're doing what you're doing. We often come to ministry with a calling, with a passion for for sharing Christ with children, and we can get caught up in the busyness of our roles and in all the distractions that come with pressures to grow and to all the things that can pull our focus off of Jesus, off of Christ, and off the gospel. And so refocus, take some time, and really evaluate what it is uh, that motivates you and uh, and seek the Lord on that. You know, we're, we are not, our purpose is not to fill our building uh, for the, for uh, for our own um, satisfaction or sense of accomplishment of being big. Our purpose is not to make kids feel good or to make them behave the right way. It has to be about heart change, heart transformation that comes through true relationship with Christ, with the Savior, that exchange of our sin for his righteousness that kids need. And time is short. We don't have time to waste. So, guys, thank you for listening. I trust that you would take this episode to heart and circle back, listen to it again. And, uh, and may, may God give you a, a clear and compelling why for your ministry that is centered on Christ and Christ alone. Thank you, Brian, for being here. Thanks, Chuck. We so appreciate you guys. If you are interested in a resource that talks about this why, I'd encourage you to check out the Gospel Project that Brian leads. Uh, gospelproject.com is where you can find some free samples of that resource. And it is, it's a resource that is written where every... Uh, every session points to Jesus. Uh, it's all about him. And so uh, if you're looking for gospel-centered resources, check out the Gospel Project, and we'd love for you to sample that. If you have questions and you can figure out how to spell Brian's last name, <laughs> you can email him. There's probably a link, I'm sure, on that Gospel Project somewhere and get someone to you. Listeners, thank you for listening, and join us again soon on another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.